In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 361st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode a look at the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. And we have a special guest today, Kelsey Conway, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals beat reporter for the Inquirer at ENQ Sports and USA Today. Some of you all might know her because she was formerly with AtlantaFalcons.com as one of the team reporters for the Falcons. So, Kelsey, I want to welcome you to the uh, Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and I hope everything's going well for you out in the Queen City. Everything is going great, and there's no other podcast that I would want to do on a week like this than yours. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so very much, Kelsey. Uh, just uh, give the fans an overview on the season here. Uh, they started 0-2 and, and looks like uh, they're fixing some things as they've won three of their last four. Yeah, um, I would say the biggest difference uh, between this year's team and last year's team and what they've been trying to figure out is Obviously, Joe Burrow missed a significant period of time during training camp because of the appendectomy that he had to have. And then their starting offensive line, Lal Collins, missed almost all of training camp. They didn't know who their starting left guard was until the final week of the preseason. And they had a new starting center and a new starting right guard. So I think the first couple of weeks for them was a little bit of about feeling each other out and getting more comfortable with each other because that's a lot of new chess pieces to put in and just think that it's just going to operate with no glitches. And so I think they, Zach Taylor and his staff saw in the first two weeks how defenses were going to try and take away Jamar Chase and play Joe Burrow. Um, NFL defensive coordinators had all offseason to game plan for the Bengals early on. And I think it took them a little bit of time to to figure out what the plan was and the Bengals were struggling to beat um the soft zone tampa 2 coverage they couldn't quite figure that one out in the past um protection wasn't great the first couple of weeks but they've played much better burrow's getting the ball out of his hands a lot faster he's been playing a lot more out of the gun and I think they're. I think they needed that game against the Saints, where he, you know, hit Tyler Boyd for six catches, T. Higgins for seven, Jamar for seven. Like I think he needed that game where he really distributed the ball well um, for their kind of confidence moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. That was one of my notes. It was 19 catches for 245 and two touchdowns, and that electric 60-yard uh, catch and run by Jamar Chase there. Uh, in the game against the Saints. Uh, so, yeah, so they're fine and they're getting back on track. They knew the offensive line was a problem. They uh, tried to address it, and it looks like they're working some of those things out. 
How are they doing on the defensive side of the ball? And um, uh, can you touch on, uh, I guess, Hendrickson's a big guy over there in Bombell. Uh, I guess Jermaine Pratt led him in tackles last week. But what are the Bengals trying to get accomplished on the defensive side of the ball? And how can they stop the Falcons' rushing attack? Well, so they're actually a really good unit. Um, I think that because they don't necessarily have their quote-unquote superstars like T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, um, they don't really have many of those type of players. They just have really solid players at every level of their defense. And they were – I mean, they, they haven't allowed a second-half touchdown all, all season. So – They'll give up some yards early on, but their defensive coordinator, Lou Anaruma, is really good at making halftime adjustments and figuring out what the opposing team is trying to do to them. Um, but, yes, Trey Hendrickson leads the team up front um, in sacks. Him and Sam Hubbard are a nice little duo um, off the edge for them. And Von Bell has had the – I mean, it might be Von Bell's best – season of his career and it's interesting to say because he's towards the back end of it but he's been great at taking the ball away getting that defense organized um, but the big thing with the Bengals defense is last year they were able to avoid the injury bug pretty well they didn't really suffer many long-term injuries that kept players out for a significant period of time that hasn't been the case this year and it's kind of coming at the worst time because Obviously, Atlanta wants to run the ball. Then they play Cleveland the week week after that, and you know they want to run the ball. Um, they lost DJ Reader, who was their best nose tackle, um, who great, who's one of Grady Jarrett's best friends who played together at Clemson. Um, he was playing at the top of his game, and he was one of the best interior defensive linemen before he went down. Uh, they gave him like a six-week designation with his knee, so it's going to be a while for him. And then last against the Saints, um, the Bengals might have lost their Mike linebacker, Logan Wilson, who's a really good player too. Um, he is in dealing with an injured shoulder. Um, yesterday, Zach Taylor said they're hoping it's a week-to-week situation. They haven't declared him being out. Um, but through the middle of the field, they're kind of getting hit hard. And then the guy that was playing – in place of Reader up front at defensive tackle, Josh Tupo is going to be out for a couple weeks with a calf injury. So if you were to ask me where I think the, the Falcons' advantage would be, it would be at the point of attack running the ball because the Bengals are banged up on the interior defensive line and through the middle of the field. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. That's great uh, information and, um, you know, great insight into what we might see on Sunday when the Falcons and the Bengals get together. Uh, just special teams. We can, um, we're can we going to take a, since, a UC moment here since we're going to discuss Kevin Huber, the punter, and uh, let you all know that Kelsey used to, um, she's a lacrosse legend at the University of Cincinnati. I went there um, years, years before she did, but uh, so... Uh, just wanted to drop the UC shout out in there for for the folks, but yeah, how's Kevin doing in the punting game? And uh, McPherson, uh, you know, after that great rookie year he had, how's everything going with with the special team? The, those two guys and the special teams units. So Kevin Huber, uh, big difference between me and him is that his name is on the wall in the athletic facility by the training room. Mine hasn't quite gotten there yet, um, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> he, um, uh, it's not been a great season for him. Um, he beat out, uh, Drew Krishman in training camp. There was a big punter battle during training camp and everybody kind of thought this might be Kevin's last season. Um, it's pointing to it being that, um, he's just not, not getting the ball, um, down the field with enough hang time, I think as much as they would like. But as far as Evan McPherson goes, he is lights out. Um, you know, I think that his furthest might be 56 this year, but I mean, he's such a weapon for them. I mean, if they don't fall desperately behind the chains on first and second down and they can at least get it to, you know, 58, 60-yard range, he's he's about as good as they come. I think he's the best young kicker in the NFL. And I did a feature interview on him before the season started, and he really wants to beat Justin Tucker's record for the longest field goal. So who knows? Maybe that might be in store on Sunday. All right. We'll be on the lookout. <laughs> hey, and uh, before we uh, let you go, I uh, just want to uh, touch on a couple of the local guys. We talked about uh, Von Bell. He's from Georgia, Ridgeland, Georgia. Uh, how's Mike Hilton doing? I know he's playing a lot. Cam Sample got, got a little action yesterday or last week against the Saints. I think I got a step count. I'll share that later. And then how's Hayden Hurst doing? I know uh, Uzama left a big hole in the offense, and it uh, looks like Hayden's getting a shot at trying to fill that. Yeah, uh, so let's start with Von Bell. I mentioned he's playing great. Um, I think the thing with Von Bell that's the most interesting thing that I've learned since I started covering this team is, like, he is one of those guys that's like a workout freak. He's in the weight room before the coaches. He gets there at 5 a.m. He's very serious about his physical therapy routine. Um, he's been a captain back-to-back -back seasons for the Bengals since they signed him after he was a free agent with the Saints. And he's just making plays left and right this year. So he's doing great. Um, Cam Sample plays behind Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. So he obviously doesn't get as much time um, because you don't want to take those guys off the field, but he's uh, when he's going in there, they love what Cam Sample does, and it'll be interesting to see how their defensive coordinator kind of moves pieces around with their defensive line being a little bit depleted. Um, Mike Hilton, yes. Uh, Mike Hilton is one of my favorite players to cover. He's so personable and good with the media. It's awesome. But, uh, yeah, he plays all the time, and the thing is is, He's not blitzing as much as he did in Pittsburgh, where that was kind of like what he was known for. Um, but he's still playing a ton of snaps. You rarely see Mike Hilton make a mistake, which is what you want out of a DB to not be talking about them, kind of, I guess you could say. And then um, Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I was very skeptical of the signing and how he was going to do because – you know, like he wasn't really a factor in the bank in the Falcons offense. And I kind of thought his time had passed. And he came to Cincinnati like incredibly motivated. And I think he felt really wanted. And he loves that Joe Burrow, you know, wants to get him involved and he'll he'll happily block, which I think is something like Uzama wasn't much of a blocker, but you know, Hayden Hurst made some really nice blocks in the run game yesterday against the Saints or two days ago. I don't even know what day it is. Um, but, yeah, no, Hayden Hurst has played – he's surprised me. He's played really well this year and been kind of exactly what the Bengals need because 
as you know, you know, it's the big three, right? Like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, they're going to get the bulk of the, the the targets. So you have to have a tight end who's going to understand that, first of all, and not think like he's Travis Kelsey or, you know, any of those guys where like that's going to be the main target. But he's been a nice little uh, role piece and um, done a nice job for the Bengals for the first six weeks. Well, all right, Kelsey, that's great. I really uh, appreciate you coming. We're going to work on getting that name up there on the uh, Athletic <laughs> Hall of Fame. We'll get you right under Bob Huggins and Nick Van Exel. We'll get it get it right in there, uh, just below Oscar Robertson too, as one oh, of wow. our uh, one of our uh, legendary. Uh, uh, you were on the first lacrosse team, correct? Uh, not the first, but in the first four years of the program. All right. Okay, that's good enough. We'll get it. We'll keep working. I was on, that. on the team that won their first Big East win, so that's All right. That's my point. Uh, stamp on the wall. All right. Well, we'll work on that. Hey, before you go, can you tell the uh, listeners here um, on the Bowtie Chronicles where they could find your great work, and uh, we're gonna um, uh, say farewell after that. Yeah, for sure. Um, for any updates on what's going on with the Bengals this week, uh, you can find my work on Cincinnati.com. That's the Inquirer's website. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Kelsey L. Conway. I'll be tweeting all week from practice, press conferences, etc. So I think it's going to be a fun matchup on uh, Sunday, D-Led, and it'll be great to see you. I, I got to admit, when I saw the schedule, I thought this was going to be like a blowout for the Bengals, but... The Falcons have played better than I thought, so we will see how this goes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the Falcons are definitely uh, have exceeded expectations here early in the season. Their, their margin of error is pretty slim, but uh, they've been uh, they've been able to 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 pull out some wins here. Uh, you know, playing some opportunistic football and some highly efficient uh, opportunistic defense and some highly efficient offense. And we'll look at some of the numbers here uh, later on in the podcast. But let's go ahead and uh, uh, let Wait, you go. I, have, I do have one question for you because I okay, have to ask you okay. a question. Sure. And this is, this is so that I can help bank, the Bearcat fans that ask me this week. When is Desmond Ritter going to get his shot? Yeah, that's a big question around town, Kelsey. And uh, barring uh, uh, injury, which we're not wishing that on anybody, uh, looks like they're going to roll with Mariota for the unforeseen future. Part of their plan is to develop Desmond. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll address it with them this week about how that's going. Uh, you know, it takes the right makeup to, to you know, sit and develop but that's one of the things the Falcons said they liked, uh, uh, you know, about Desmond. But I'm not sure Desmond wants to play. He's looking around. He's seeing Bailey Zappi out there doing yeah. his thing in New England. <laughs> uh, Pickett got to the field and got hurt and is out. But uh, I don't. I haven't seen um, Malik uh, Willis getting action over in Tennessee. But uh, but yeah, when we do the story this week, we'll certainly look around and see what the other rookie quarterbacks are doing. But um, they're in no hurry to play them. They're on the Kansas City plan, the Kansas City Green Bay plan is what I call it, uh, where they develop. They're developing him. Uh, Kansas City didn't play Mahomes the first year. I'm not calling Desmond Mahomes though, but um, you know they put him in one game, and when he was ready to go, they put him in. So um, you know, and in Green Bay, they just you know would, would, would draft quarterbacks every year. You know, it was Brett Favre, Mike Brunell, Aaron. 
Aaron, uh, my guy from Virginia, I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Uh, uh, but, yeah, every year they would have a quarterback, you know, Ty Detmer, you know, one after the other. And um, they uh, they developed the quarterbacks, and when they were ready to play, they played them or they traded them and got compensation for them. So uh, I'm not expecting any uh, packages or anything like that uh, for Desmond. So, so I don't think we're going to see him until the Falcons or there's an injury or they're out of the playoff race. Okay, uh, well, that's good to know because I'm sure I'm going to be asked that a lot this week by Bearcats fans who are also Bengals fans. Um, who, you know, Desmond Ritter gave Cincinnati football two of his best, best years in, in the history of that um, lovely university that you and I both attended. Yes, no doubt. No doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where we stand with Desmond. Oh. And uh, uh, he seems to be in a good uh, space with that. I'm sure he wants to play. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, but when he, once he gets out there, he wants to stay. So that's the big thing. Cool. Well, thanks for letting me ask my question. <laughs> sure, no problem. I'm sure our listeners want to know that too because I get it every week, and that's our <laughs> weekly update on Desmond Ritter. <laughs> well, thanks again, Kelsey, for coming by. and can't wait to see you at the stadium on Sunday. And you take care of yourself and have a great uh, week and bundle up uh, up there in the uh, Queen City as I know the winter is starting to roll in. But I know y'all got one of the greatest Oktoberfest too. So hopefully yeah. we get down there. Yeah, and there and will out. be chili. There will be chili for you at halftime. So I'm not sure if you are a big chili person, but that's the halftime food at the Bengals Stadium. All right. Yeah, I'm Camp Washington, but I know it's Team Skyline up there and Team Gold Star. <laughs> so we'll see if I, I can uh I'll enjoy the whatever one they have for us. Okay. All right. Well it's good right. talking with you, D Can't wait to see you on Sunday. Likewise, Kels, take care. Well, one of the issues facing the Falcons this week is Casey Hayward probably out with a long-term injury. He left the game with a shoulder, and uh, Darren Hall has been taking some of his snaps anyway. Uh, He'll be um, on the uh, hot seat against the Bengals and those three wide receivers uh, that Kelsey was telling us about. So let's hear from Coach Arthur Smith on F. Darren Hall could be an option to replace Casey Hayward this week. It just depends on you know the game plan. Obviously, it's still early in the week. Um, we know we obviously got a challenge with Cincinnati and and their personnel, especially uh, you know, as much as they like to play in eleven personnel, and they got really good wideouts and a, and a good, really good quarterback. So, uh, still early in the week there. So put the plan together, but uh, we're confident in our guys. And guys stepped up and played really well. Uh, Darren did. Darren's had a good camp, and uh, his number was called yesterday. And Made a huge play on that deep ball to uh, Ayuk. Really good uh, patience and body control and up there making that play. Well, all right. We heard from Kelsey about the revamped Bengals line. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl without, you know, the line was suspect last year. They tried to re-fortify it. And, you know, one of my lasting memories of the Super Bowl was uh, uh, Aaron Donald breaking through and hitting Burrow. Uh, on, on the last play, their last key play, and Jamar Chase is breaking free up the right sideline. Man, if he had like one millisecond, we're probably talking about the Bengals winning their first Super Bowl. You know, I covered the uh, second Super Bowl team uh, out of Cincinnati that uh, lost to the 49ers. I didn't cover the Ken Anderson team, but the Boomer team. That would have been a big moment, but but it didn't happen. And they're still not blocking for Joe. 
Joe has taken a beating. He's been sacked 22 times. So we and the Falcons only have eight. They started out pretty good, but um, you know they uh, eight is like 31st in the league right now through six games. So and that's where you know the Falcons have been for the last few years. So uh, we discussed with Arthur Smith on coming up with a game plan to put some pressure on Joe Burrow. Yeah, a lot of it turns on the matchups. I mean, that was one thing about when you're going and playing Tampa, you knew the ball was coming out. And so, you know, and not, not everybody will play that efficient. Um, and then Jimmy, I think yesterday, he did a decent job extending plays. But a lot of those getting him off the spot, those pressures led to us well, getting off the field on third down. And so, yeah, you know, stats the, I mean, excuse me, if you get sacks, that's the pretty statistic that, and a lot of people get rewarded off off of it and it can create a little bit of selfishness too if that's what you're going to pay you're just going to reward the sack number and you're not going to consider the other 95 percent of the plays that are in there and the effect they're having on it that's why i think zoe and grady and tq and those guys and ak are hitting a rush plan i think you it'll pay off um different obstacles every week depending on their protection scheme the time the guy spends in the pocket how he moves with it and uh we'll have our challenge i know what the, the numbers are have, have been for Cincinnati, but they've been pretty damn good offensively, regardless of it. I think uh, there was a something I saw the other day about Joe Burrow talking about uh, the sacks can be mis misleading on the other other side. So we know there's a challenge. Uh, this passing game is, is pretty damn good, um, and so we got our work cut out for us. We're still early kind of come up with a plan. All right, thanks, for Coach Smith. There, they're coming up with the rush plan. Hey, our next item with Coach Smith, he kind of um discusses the defensive stats and how they can be deceiving when evaluating how good you are. Uh, and, and, hey, we'll, so we'll take this time to look at the defensive stats real quick. The Falcons are um, ninth against uh, the run, 28th against the pass. So you got, you know, their, their, their pass defense is going to be going up against the, the number eight pass offense. Total yards, 385.2. They're 26, but... This is a, a top 16 stat that they're good in stopping the run and stopping points. So they're keeping people out of the end zone once they get down there. I got to go do their red zone numbers. 22.7, that's 14 points. So he's saying the yards are, they're giving up yards, but they're keeping points off the board. So he, he's going to live with that. Uh, and that's why the bloated pass yards are uh, uh, up there, 28th in the league. And, um, you know, so it sounds like they're going to, you know, Joe Burrow's going to get some yards, but they want to keep him out of the end zone. So let's hear what Coach has to say on how um, the defensive numbers can be deceiving when evaluating how good you are. You know, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, credit to San Fran. I mean, they held the ball for a while in the fourth quarter, but at the end of the day, those, are, those yards didn't matter. You know, so whatever that fourth quarter statistic was about yards, and, it goes, and that's why sometimes I think ranking – Defenses just on total yards is misleading. I think the Patriots have gone to the Super Bowl with the 31st-ranked defense. But maybe because they had the lead so much and teams were getting the old check down, you know, QBR game for the quarterback. You know, you're, you're down four possessions, and the guy, look at Stanley, wow, he threw for 300 yards. Like, yeah, well, 200 came when the game was out of reach. Congratulations, buddy. But, like, that's kind of how it feels. So that's where total yards can be. Misleading. It's going to come down to situational football. Third down, turnover margin, red zone, and uh, that's – the main focus. You'd love to have, you know, 12 three and outs and likely that happening not high, but we'll work for it. 
All right, I'm pretty sure that 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 stat was not correct. The uh, and I'll go back and uh, clean it up for Coach. Uh, the worst defense in Super Bowl history was the 27th ranked Falcon defense, uh, and I'll go double check that because for years in the old run heavy league, you had to be a top 10 defense. You know that was one of the criteria. Uh, you know, for years, for at least through the first 30 Super Bowls, uh, 35, maybe even up to 40, uh, was the top. You had a top 10 defense in in the Super Bowl, and yards was a factor. So, but as the um, yards and the games opened up, and it's more of a passing league, you've seen some teams outside of the top 10 get to the Super Bowl. Certainly, never the 31st was was in a, not in the Super Bowl, and I remember doing stories. Leading up to Super Bowl Fifty One, about the Falcons having the worst, lowest ranked defense to make to make it to the Super Bowl. So we'll get that up. We'll clear that up for, and uh, I'm pretty sure the thirty first ranked defense never made it to the Super Bowl. But we'll clear that up in the uh, later this week or in the subsequent podcast. Now, um, November first is coming up. That's the trade deadline. The Falcons have already been busy. They, uh, you know, traded Deion Jones to the Browns. I got to go see how he did. I'll put that in the Cover 9 at 9 blog. They were trying to get him ready uh, to play. I got to follow up on that and see if he got some action in that Cleveland Browns lost to the Patriots. But here is the Falcons on their trade deadline philosophy. I think everybody, you know, those guys talk all, all the time. You know, I think that's pretty common. Um, if the opportunity is right, great. It's like somebody gives you an offer you can't refuse. Like the old Don Corleone, you listen. But, uh, you know, so it depends what, you know, situation shows up, D-Led. But those guys, I think it's pretty standard operating procedure. Those GMs, they, they all call and check in no matter what. Well, all right, we're going to move on to some of our bingo stats and notes here for this week. The bingos are uh, – it's, it's Paycor Stadium. It used to be Paul Brown. That's where they'll be playing on Sunday. And uh, the Bengals uh, and the Falcons have, uh, I've got uh, top half and top 10 elite units here. The Bengals have six dots for top half. Falcons have five. And as far as elite units, we count the top, top 10. The Bengals have three elite units and the Falcons have three. So that's an even, pretty even up matchup here. Both teams are three and three. The Falcons' uh, top half units are rush offense, 165.2, three third in the league. In uh, total yards, they're 14th, 324.3. And scoring, they're tied with Seattle for eighth at 24.3 points a game. And we also have that marked as an elite unit. Defensively, the Falcons are uh, top half in rush defense and top 10 also ranked ninth. 104 yards a game, and they are ranked in the top half in scoring defense, 22.7. We discussed that earlier and how the yards might be deceiving there. And on the Bengals side, the 248.7 yards a game, that's a top half and elite, the passing offense. The rush, they're only running at 89 yards a game, so that speaks to that line. And the um, points, they are 15th, so that's top half. And their time of possession is 32 minutes and 19 seconds, which is third in the league. So you get a top half dot and a top 10 gold elite dot for that. Defensively, the Bengals uh, 
it's uh, they're in top they're in the top half in just about everything and uh they have elite scoring defense so they don't give up the points either and they're giving up the yards they're 13th in run defense and 14th in pass defense 218 yards a game running a uh, pass uh, and 339 total yards so they're 13th in pass defense and 14th in total yards number uh they're 21st in run defense 121 yards a game at 21st so that's the that's the matchup here you got the um falcons run offense against the 21st ranked run defense so the falcons they want to run the ball they should have they should be able to do that against the Bengals. now the Bengals have the eighth passing offense against the 28th pass defense so they want to throw the ball they should be able to throw the ball so it's going to come down to the scoring here uh, both teams have a, an advantage on offense and it's going to be which one of these defensive units comes up and uh, takes care of their business. Now, that wild card in all this is the turnover ratio. And the Falcons have moved into the plus side here and in the top half of the league at seven. With the three turnovers last week in the win over the 49ers, they're now plus two with 10 takeaways and eight. They didn't give any away last week. So that uh, that moved them up considerably. Now the Bengals are an eight and eight uh, team, eight takeaways, eight turnovers. That's a, a zero, and that's seventeenth in the league. So um, that's how the defense can, you know, hide some of those yards too. Is when they start taking the ball away. The Falcons did it with two interceptions and a forced fumble on the third and one by Rashawn Evans last week. And if you can continue that, that'll hide the yards. That'll help your pass defense out, and you'll be in the game. So, uh, you know, just a series history on this one here. The Bengals are, uh, lead the series 9-5. and five. This will be the 15th meeting. Last game was 37-36 to 36 on September the 30th, 2018, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, the Bengals... Uh, opened in a 4-2-5 nickel against New Orleans last week. Jermaine Pratt was the leading tackle at 14. We talked about Chase Boyd and Higgins. Uh, you know, the big thing here is the 28th pass D versus the 8th pass O. Uh, that's the, you know, that's going to be the, the big units out there on the field today. And in the last outing, Burrow was 28 of 37 for 300 and three touchdowns. So that's um, some of the Bengals news and notes. We'll come back with some more notes for you later. But right now we're going to take a break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, the Falcons here, they're 
trying to get over 500 again this week for the first time since the end of the 2017 season. This is a little bit better matchup, like uh, like Kelsey said, that we had anticipated when the schedules came out. That's why those doing the schedule prediction things are so really uh, bizarre. Uh, but we got to do them. People love them, so uh, keep them coming. But, you know, now that we're here and the game is here, uh, this looks like a, uh, you know, much more evenly matched uh, contest than we thought it was going to be back in the in May. So that's why you play the games. So, but we did want to talk, discuss some things with Jalen Hawkins. Uh, we had him virtually on Monday. They called it Victory Monday. And uh, we got one player uh, available to talk to. No open locker room on Victory Monday. So I don't know if they call it Loser Monday and they make everybody talk to the media uh, when they lose. But so Victory Monday, we talked to Jalen Hawkins on a virtual uh, setup there. And, uh, Wanted to know what it was like in the locker room, what it looked like uh, on that Monday after the win over the 49ers. Uh, you know it was a good victory. Of course, you celebrate victory Monday for a little bit. Still watch the film and critique, um, go over things we can improve on because we, we're at a continuous state of improvement, you know, for our team, of course. And, um, you know, enjoy it for a little bit. But then as soon as we leave the facility, you know, we got another opponent this week we got to get ready for it. All right, and uh, Jalen had uh, one of the big interceptions against the 49ers and a big fumble recovery in the end zone. He just kept showing up at the ball. We did a story on him coming out of the game. He was good in the locker room, uh, so we got him back-to-back days. And Jalen, um, you know, hey, we wanted to know, you know, every, they know what everybody was saying about him going into the season. And, and uh, you know, now that they're 3-3, three and three, is the confidence of the team starting to grow each week? Like, yeah, like Coach said, it grows from week to week. You know, like I said yesterday, it all comes in the pro. You know, how you prepare, how you prepare. Um, we already confident individuals, but that helps build your confidence. You know, how you prepare. You know, us continuing to grow and climb as a whole team, making plays and doing things that, that builds confidence. In order to sustain confidence, you know, you got to keep preparing. Keep sharpening up your tools. Keep sharpening up your game. And that don't stop. That's what makes you go out there and play free on Sundays. And it makes everybody go out there and have fun, not overthinking. You know, because you know you put the work in throughout the week. You know we went hard on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, and walked them on Saturday. Yep, the hard work's paying off in the form of victories and uh, great game plans that they're executing, playing efficient, clean football, and uh, opportunistic football, you know, that's what uh, you start seeing the ball on the ground, you're scooping up and scoring, now you're making the most of that opportunity. Now, um, facing the Bengals is going to be a challenge for the secondary, and Jalen knows that. So we uh, discussed with him on facing the Bengals, you know, does that change how you prepare for uh, that passing attack? It doesn't really change anything. Um, it's just, you know, Hope my guys recover fast and you know, can't speak on their situation. But, you know, we also have other people in the room who can play, you know, and who are also ready to go and um, really work hard and really ready to do what they can do. So, you know, that's another thing. Like, as a whole in this unit, we really prep hard, you know, not just certain individuals. We really all together prep hard. 
All right. They, that hard work is paying off. And, uh, you know, it's going to see they're going to get a chance to test their depth against the Bengals. Hey, because A.J. Terrell left that game, you know, grabbing his hamstring. They called it a thigh injury. Uh, Casey Hayward's pretty much a long term. Might not be out. Uh, might be out. Isaiah Oliver, he looks like he's okay. So he, he left the game too. So at some point, D. Alford, Mike Ford, and Darren Hall were the cornerbacks. So, um, you know, those guys may be playing a lot against the Bengals. I know A.J. and Jamar Chase have history. And I know AJ's going to want to try to play and get out there, but if it's something wrong with his thigh or hamstring, they're going to probably slow roll him on that. Uh, you don't want to have him down for the long term if, uh, you know, the imaging comes back looking a certain way. So here, let's go over some more of our bingo uh, stats and notes here. And uh, then we're going to get on out of here. We're going to thank Kelsey again for coming by. But their punt returner is Trent Taylor. And uh, they had two kickoff returners against the Saints, Chris Evans and uh, Devin Asaya. Uh, Hayden Hurst, we talked about him. He's got 23 catches for 178 and two touchdowns. He's on pace to tie his career touchdown mark and to break his um, receptions. His high uh, before was 56 catches in Atlanta in, five, in uh, 2020. He uh, had 571 yards and six touchdowns. So um, he's on pace for 65, 504, and 6. So um, Hayden is uh, fitting in pretty good in Cincinnati. And uh, Kelsey talked about some of the local guys here. Mike Hilton, cornerback Ole Miss, Sandy Creek High, Trey Hill, center UGA, Houston County. He um, He's a reserve. Elijah Holifield, running back Georgia, Woodward Academy. He's on IR. Von Bell from Ridgeland. Uh, Cam. Sample from Shiloh and Tulane. And then uh, offensive lineman DeAnte Smith from Grovetown. He played at uh, ECU. He was inactive last week. Now we just got a couple more notes for the uh, locals who played last week against the Saints. Hilton had four tackles. Von Bell, three. Sample, one. Hilton played 56 snaps. Uh, Von Bell played 72 all 72 of the defensive snaps, 100%. And Sample, like uh, Kelsey said, he's backing up Hubbard at Hendrickson. So he's getting, uh, he played 28% of the snaps. The uh, Bengals' top tackler is Von Bell with solo, uh, solo tackles, 25, and Hilton's right behind him with 25. Uh, Logan Wilson is, uh, they're, they're all got 25, so they're all three of the top leading tacklers. Von Bell's the top interceptor with three. And um, but Logan Wilson, as Kelsey told us, uh, is going to be out or maybe out. He's the middle linebacker. So look for heavy dive action, heavy RPO, uh, kind of like last week. They may try to throw it a little bit more to back people up. But, uh, yeah, we know what the Falcons are trying to do now. They're running a lot of pistol, a lot of outside zone uh, with the pool. You know, Nate Tice, uh, Mike Tice's son that uh, does the great. Uh, reviews online i'm gonna retweet the one that i'm about to talk about uh that nate um put up where uh caleb mcgarrett uh not caleb caleb huntley broke loose on a big run around the right side where kyle pitts goes down inside and, and takes out the linebacker and uh mcgarrett comes outside and kicks out kicks out a defender and uh caleb huntley's able to get downfield nice and clean and 
then ran with some power at the end of the run there. Uh, one of the Falcons' touchdown drives. Great uh, analysis there. So just before we get out of here, uh, the last trip to Cincinnati was a while back. It's 2014. The Bengals mauled the Falcons. It was early in the season. It was, uh, you know, kind of let us know that was going to be, uh, didn't know it was going to be Mike Smith's last year, but this was kind of the beginning of the end uh, when they got mauled for 472 yards in the second week of the season to 24 to 10 and a 24 to 10 loss on September the 14th. And, you know, when you get ran on that early in the season, it doesn't usually get better, and it didn't. Giovanni Bernard had 27 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. Jeremy Hill had 15 for 74 and one. And, oh, Muhammad Sanu, who would be coming to the Falcons later on, he caught three for 84 and a touchdown that day and had a one-for-one pass, and he dropped a halfback 50-yard bomb on the Falcons that day. So that was the last trip to the Natty. It was in September. It's going to be a little bit colder in October, but uh, the Falcons are headed up there on Sunday to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champs. So with that, we're going to ask you to take care and have a great rest of your week. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.